Now on Netflix. Inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. Welcome, and thank you for tuning into this week's episode of Maryland's Most Notorious Murders, where the most gruesome, the most bizarre, the most heinous, the most newsworthy homicide cases in Maryland are discussed, examined, and profiled. This season, season four, notorious murder-suicide cases are discussed. And on this episode, the murder-suicide of Tyler Tessier is profiled and the uns- and this episode's unsolved homicide is the brutal double shooting and burning death of Alicia Nicole Strickland and her boyfriend, Taewon Tuck, are examined. Now, so far I've profiled five high-profile murder-suicide cases occurring in Maryland And as I've stated on the last episode, the reasons or motives for some of these murder-suicide cases have ranged from mental illness to I can't believe what I did and I can't live with myself to I can't let you go on and be happy. I mean, those reasons or motives, crazy, yeah, but understandable from a quote-unquote killer standpoint. The reasoning, it can be explained away or justified like they have an excuse for what they did then you have the killers who killed and killed themselves and literally just went straight to hell like for those that deceive those who lie those who knowingly butcher or kill a pregnant woman a baby the mother of your child simply because you the father you don't want the kid and, and then instead of facing your responsibilities, you take the bitch way out. I mean, let's examine the high-profile murder-suicide case of 32-year-old Tyler Tessier. We're all going to die. We don't get much say over how or when, but we do get to decide how we're going to live. So do it. Decide, is this the life you want to live? Is this the person you want to love? Is this the best you can be? Can you be stronger, kinder, more compassionate? Decide, breathe in, breathe out and decide. Despite this optimistic and positive Facebook post Laura left on her Facebook page in 2013, Laura Elizabeth Whalen felt confused. She felt leery and suspicious, and it wasn't because she was four months pregnant with her first child and hormonal. The 31-year-old social studies teacher at Wild Lake High School had just found out that her seven-year on-again and off-again relationship with her boyfriend, the father of her baby she was carrying, had been cheating on her yet again with another woman. Laura had found evidence of Tyler's infidelity 
but before she jumped to conclusions, before she confronted him, she decided to confront the other woman. Not face to face, just yet, but she decided to send a text. Just a text. Just to test the atmosphere, the vibe. I mean, did the other woman know that she was carrying his baby? I mean, did she know something as juicy as that? So on August the 28th, 2017, Laura sent out a text message to the other woman that read, It's important that some things are cleared up. And I would imagine that if you were in my position, that you'd want some answers as well. By no means is this an attempt at confrontation. Just looking for an explanation, woman to woman. These don't sound like fighting words at all to me. She just, like I said, wanted to clear the air. Laura probably felt like she didn't know what type of response, if any, she would get from the other woman. But the other woman, she never responded. The other chick, like most women, she didn't know too much about Laura. She only had the impression of her from what Tyler had told her about her. And Tyler had already told her that Laura was crazy. Laura was a stalker. She's just a crazy ex that won't leave me alone. And she's mad because I broke up with her to be with you. And I don't want her. I only want you. I mean, y'all dudes know how y'all do it. Anyway, the other woman... She bought the shit and then instead of talking to Laura woman to woman, she told Tyler about the text. She screenshot them and she sent them she sent them to him to read. When Tyler read what Laura had texted the other woman who he had proposed to, he knew that Laura was going to tell her about the pregnancy. He knew she was going to that most likely she was going to tell her about the baby. He knew that Laura was going to tell her that he was the father and that yeah he was still fucking her. Tyler knew that most likely the engagement would be off. Both of these women talked. I mean, if he knew that both of them hooked up, they got together, he knew that his fiance would leave him. Plus, Laura telling everybody about the baby would make everything real. And he wasn't ready to face what he had created. Tyler was living a double life, screwing both women lying to both of them, playing with both of their emotions, when most likely he ain't give a shit about neither one of them. But shit changed and got real when Laura got pregnant. Tyler's fiance, who also just happened to be a teacher too, she said yes to Tyler's little flimsy ass proposal and the two had eventually started planning a wedding, literally set a wedding date for like a month after Laura was due to have his child. Plus, Tyler ain't want no kids or he didn't want no kids by Laura. He already had like a 21 year old. Maybe he saw his life and his future flash before his eyes. Who knows? After his fiance sent him a screenshot of what Laura had sent her, he simply texted back, I could kill her. And guess what? Tyler set out to do just that. Labor Day weekend, four days later, after the text exchange with the other woman, Tyler made plans to spend the day with Laura. He was supposed to go shopping for bridesmaids dresses with his fiance all the way out in Pennsylvania. But Tyler got out of that crap, that girly shit real quick. 
and he got out of that real long four-hour drive to Pennsylvania by carefully planning and acting like he sprained his knee when he was walking her dog so he couldn't go. Anything to get out of that because he had bigger plans, a bigger agenda on his mind. On Sunday, September 2nd, 2017, Tyler hooked up with Laura and they both were seen on surveillance cameras at a Safeway grocery store in only buying something at around 8.30, 9.30 p.m. The Safeway wasn't too far from Laura's condo on Rolling Meadows Way and it was they both were scored on tape using her credit card. Now, Laura talked to her sister every day, every single day. They was really close. Sometimes they talked two, three times a day and this weekend was no exception. Maybe Laura was feeling weird. I mean, perhaps she had a feeling maybe, just maybe, maybe Tyler finally wants me. Maybe he's gonna propose. I mean, there have been rumors and accusations about this of a chick in the past. Even Laura's father had approached Tyler. He had met up with him at a Starbucks and only like flat out asked him about him and the other woman. He asked him if the rumors were true. Uh, none of this is true, Tyler had insisted. He swore to God that he hadn't seen or talked to his ex in at least two years. Tyler stood right there and told Laura's father that because of the baby, he planned to make Laura his wife, and he even pulled out a ring that he had on him. It was the same ring that this dude had been planning to give to his other chick, playing both of them. Tyler told Laura's father that he was planning to propose to Laura, but first he needed his blessing. I mean, he needed his permission. What a complete crock. We're going to get married. I love her, Tyler had confessed to Laura's father after her father had asked him again what his intentions were with his daughter. Nobody in Laura's family had really ever liked Tyler, and it was the only issue that they fought about and disagreed on. That's the only issue that their family was just like, ugh. But Laura's father, he gave Tyler his blessing because he knew that's what Laura wanted. Tyler bounced around from house to house, living with Laura, then the other woman, then staying with friends for a minute, then staying with this person and relatives and that person. He had no real permanent address, even though he worked as a manager for landscaping firms and as a salesman for a farm equipment company in Frederick, Maryland, or Frederick County. Now, growing up in Brook Brookville, Maryland, Tyler had studied agriculture in college in Pennsylvania, and he served as a 4-H judge at various fairs. Laura had a feeling something wasn't right, but she wasn't 100% sure. But she wasn't sure. She wasn't certain. Now, Tyler had access to land that he was planning to buy in Clarksburg, and he told Laura that he was planning to build them a house there so that he could raise their family together. She will become his wife, and they will be a family, and they will live happily ever after, and all that sweet and saccharine, sugary, and all that other whatever. But Labor Day weekend, Tyler took Laura to a field to that same plot of land. Thinking she was finally going to get a ring out of him, Laura texted her sister, Tyler has me on an adventure in the country. Don't know why I'm here, but it's for something. Her sister texted back, really? Where are you? Laura replied, I'm waiting in a field. Her sister texted, 
take a picture. Laura snapped a picture and using her cell phone, she sent it to her sister thinking absolutely nothing of it. The next day, September the 3rd, there was no sign of Laura, but her sister did receive some weird mysterious text messages from Laura's phone. The whole conversation geared to Laura supposedly telling Tyler that the baby she was carrying wasn't his and she told him that she was pregnant by one of her former students, some dude named Antoine, who had been an ex-boyfriend. The text read, I am like 95% sure Tyler is not the, fa not the father. I'm probably going to lose my job over this. If he tries to call, if he tries to call you, please tell him he's a great guy because I know I really hurt his feelings. And another text message sent to her from Laura's phone read, that's she that it read that she would like try to get in touch or contact with Antoine. Laura's sister was like, What? None of this makes any sense. First off, they sisters, they talk on the phone every day. Like, why would Laura be telling her via text out of the blue that she was like 95% sure that the father of her unborn child wasn't Tyler, who everybody knew who he was, who it was? Plus, what really like made her suspicious threw her off was the name Antoine was spelled wrong. The shit just didn't feel right. I mean, he had spelled it A-N-T-W-A-N. And when Laura's sister, she couldn't physically get a hold of like her, of Laura, she decided to report her missing. Her intuition was just completely off. And she called 911. When the police showed up and spoke to Laura's sister, they learned that the last person Laura was seen with was Tyler. Her sister, she ain't buying none of those text messages about her baby's father being by her ex-boyfriend. Dread and fear ran all throughout her body. On the first day of school, Laura did not show up and her family knew that something was wrong. They knew Tyler had something to do with it. The police did too. And Tyler immediately became a person of interest and their number one suspect in Laura's disappearance. After they questioned him on that Tuesday, September the 5th, Tyler was full of inconsistencies in his story. At first, he told the police that the last time he had seen Laura was the day before Labor Day around 8.30 a.m. and she was crying hysterically because she found out that, she, that he wasn't the father of her baby. He said she was crying, talking about she was going to lose her job and all that because she was pregnant by a former student and she needed his help to get out of town. He said that she demanded the key to her place back, and if he didn't, if she didn't give it back to him, then she was going to call the police. Tyler told the investigators that she was so out of it, so hysterically and crazy, that he told her that he would meet her somewhere else, like the Nordstrom's Cafe in, in Columbia Mall, so she could be a little bit more calmer. I mean, what the fuck? Seriously? First off, do that even do that story even make any sense? I gotta even pause it. Do that even make any sense? Really? I mean, his dumb ass said that he drove to the mall in Columbia and he waited for two hours for Laura to show up, but she never did. When Laura didn't show up, he said he drove back to her condo in only Maryland and just remembered that, oh damn, he couldn't even get in because like he said, he used to have a key, but he had given it back to her. But Laura's neighbor had already told the police 
that they had seen Tyler walking Lloyd's dog on Labor Day around 2.30 p.m. Dumbass lie number one. So at first, the investigation was just, it was just like a missing persons report, missing persons case. And the media was alerted that this pregnant teacher was missing. Some of Laura's, her loyal students, they made up flyers and everything with pictures with Laura's picture on it, and they posted it all throughout the neighborhood, all throughout Columbia, for any information in her disappearance. The detectives knew. They just knew that Tyler was lying, even after the first lie. But as liars do, they eventually, eventually start believing their own lies. And they, the police needed him. So... They needed Tyler to lead him to where Laura hopefully was, either with his words or his actions. They needed to know where Laura was, and they needed to keep. They needed to keep him talking. They needed to know that if Laura, they need to know basically whether she was dead or alive. So they had to act like they did, they believed his bullshit. They had to act like they believed his lies, and they had to act like they believed his stories. So after Laura was missing over a week. On the eighth day, Laura's parents, along with Tyler beside them, they gave a statement to the press. With fake looks of sorrow and despair, Tyler gave the performance worthy of an Oscar as he said, Laura, if you're listening, it doesn't matter what happened. It doesn't matter what type of trouble. There's nothing we can't fix together with myself and your family. There's so many people that miss you. We haven't slept we haven't eaten. We're just looking. We're just praying that you're safe. Now, Laura's parents, they put up a reward for any information like leading to Laura being found or any information like anything that they knew. When anything, when they knew like the police knew that Tyler was responsible for Laura being missing and most likely did. The police questioned Tyler again, and they asked him about it. He and Laura's relationship. He swore he wasn't cheating. He swore there was no other woman involved. The investigators had had enough, and they knew that Laura was most likely dead. They just wanted Tyler to tell them where her body was. So they kept up the questioning. They kept it up. The investigators knew. They knew that from talking to Laura's family that Tyler was known to visit a patch of land or field at the 1200 block of Price's Distillery Road in Damascus. It was the same field that Laura had last texted to her sister, the photo of it. The investigators, they got a search warrant to search the whole area and when they did, they found fresh tire tracks on a small patch of property that was close to the area. The detectives talked to the owner of the property who had no idea what was going on or unaware of anything and they were able to gain access to an area where there was a freshly dug up grave 10 feet by 10 feet and that's where the body of the beloved teacher was found on Wednesday, September the 13th, 2017 around noon, nine days after she was reported missing. Laura had been shot once in the back of her head and her body had finally been found by cadaver dogs and the Montgomery County Police Department. Now, Laura wasn't just some teacher who did what she had to do to get a paycheck. Like a lot of teachers that you see, I mean, 
According to an article in the Baltimore Sun, Laura was a teacher who looked beyond just grades and test scores. She was voted Senior Class Teacher of the Year in 2016 at Wild Lake High School. She had also taught at Murray Hill Elementary School in Laurel, Maryland, and she reportedly connected with each and every one of her students. Many of them said she changed their lives. I mean, they cried when they found out what had happened to her. Finding Laura's body, it now turned this case, it turned it from a missing persons case into a full-blown double homicide. And Tyler was immediately brought in for questioning again. This time he told the detectives that, yeah, he had been at the property at least 10 times since Laura went missing because he was trying to buy the property so he could build his family home there. The stories he had told the police were mind-boggling, especially after they told him that they had found Laura on the property, shot in the back of the head. First, he told the cops that he and Laura got kidnapped by two black men, it's always two black men, at Laura's condo. The men supposedly threw, they, they, they supposedly forced them to drive to a field, to the field where her body was found, and they shot her in the back of the head for no reason, no robbery, no motive, nothing. When the detectives asked him, why would they shoot a pregnant woman, a pregnant white woman at that, I might add, and just let her live, why not shoot him? He said because he had begged for his life and because he had done that, he wasn't hurt or shot. Bullshit lie number two. I mean, when that story didn't fly with the detectives, Tyler was like, oh yeah, wait a minute, hold up. I got another one. The most stupidest story of them all. He said that while he was at one of his temporary homes, that he and Laura got into a fight, and during the fight, Laura tried to stab him with a pair of scissors. He said he jumped away from her, and she ran after him, and in the process of her chasing him, she hit her head on a wooden post and collapsed on the porch. Instead of him calling the police, Tyler claimed that because she ran into the post, he thought she was dead, so he was just going to bury her in the field. But after he buried her in the field, he started or he started covering her with dirt. He thought, oh, maybe she ain't dead after all. So he shot her in the back of the head to make sure she wasn't suffering. What the entire fuck? Now, arrested and charged with first degree murder, um, des destroying, altering, concealing, and removing physical evidence, Tyler was held without bail at the Montgomery County Detention Center. He had absolutely no criminal record. Detectives learned through a thorough investigation that they believed that Tyler killed Laura sometime on Labor Day, September the 3rd. After killing her and sending the text messages to her sister, Tyler drove her Ford, uh, Laura's Ford Escape to the Gramercy Apartments parking lot in Columbia, backed it into a parking space, took off her front license plate and tossed it in a plastic bag that the police later found at one of the temporary homes that he was staying at. A maintenance man found her driver's license in front of a dumpster at her apartment complex. They recognized the picture as the one in the on the news and on the flyers in the neighborhood and called the police. In the meantime, the detectives learned that Tyler called a male friend on Sunday, September the 3rd, and asked him if he could drive him to Baltimore that night to supposedly go pick up a car. The friend was like, nah, he ain't going no. He ain't going nowhere near Baltimore at night. 
and warned Tyler that he shouldn't either. Tyler had texted him, sorry, didn't know, I didn't mean to make you feel like I was trying to put you in a bad spot. And his friend had texted back, going to the city late at night was probably a bad idea. And Tyler had texted back, it probably is, just trying to clean up a mess. I mean, and what mess was that? Another female friend of Tyler's eventually gave him a ride after he had parked Laura's car at the apartment complex in Columbia. He promptly told her to lie for him if, too if the police later came around and started asking questions. With all this evidence mounting against him, ain't no telling what was going through his mind as he sat in the jail cell. Laura's parents were completely beside themselves. They had never liked Tyler from the very beginning and her father said he had been a liar their whole relationship. He's a monster and he is a liar. It was all we could do to be seen as a, as, as a united family with him. It defies description. Absolutely. The hardest thing my wife could do would be to sit next to him and hold his hand. And she had to hold his hand with two hands because she was shaking so badly. We did it because we were pretty sure it was Tyler, but we didn't know where she was. That's a comment that her father gave to the Baltimore Sun. With more than 1,000 people attending Laura's funeral, her funeral was held at the same church where she attended most of her life, the Lutheran Church of St. Andrew in Silver Spring. Faced with all of the evidence against him, Tyler sat in his cell at the Montgomery County Detention Center and I know every single day he had to replay in his mind what happened, what he did. You could have just left her alone. I mean, she had a family. She would have been good. But nope. Selfishness, greed, ego, simple, plain triflingness. It stood in the way. Or maybe Tyler just never gave a fuck about her from the beginning. And he just couldn't face the consequences of his own actions. Early September the 6th, 2018, trial date. The day Tyler's trial is due to start, Tyler had been locked up now for about a year. That morning, the day you have court, trust me, COs, they wake your ass up super early. So they woke him up at 4 a.m., told him to prep for court, which means taking a shower, which he did at 4.15 a.m. Tyler went to his cell, got dressed. They get you, they get you breakfast. They get even they get you that like ridiculously early. So he was seen by a CO at uh, 4:36 a.m. and at 4:45 a.m. they gave him what they call breakfast. Now Tyler wasn't on PC, but he was in his own personal cell that was within a pod or like a group of 15 other cells with other inmates. So it wasn't like he was on suicide watch or nothing like that either. Tyler's trial was due to start in less than four hours. Ten minutes after he was served breakfast, at 4.55 a.m., the warden checked on him and found him hanging in his cell from his bedsheets. He wasn't playing no games, and this wasn't no cry for help either. Tyler was ready to go. He left five suicide notes on his bed that showed that he had been planning to check out for a minute. Ain't no way he was going to be a man enough to face all the time he was facing. A correctional officer tried to save Tyler's life. 911 was called. Emergency medical personnel responded at 5.15 a.m. and performed CPR on him. But at 5.32 a.m., 
the baby killer and womanizer was pronounced dead. The toxicology, toxicology test later showed that he didn't have a drop of alcohol or any drugs in his system at all when he took his own life. Laura's family, the media, attorneys, nobody heard nothing, none about nothing about what was going on, and they went to court as planned. So did friends and family. Like, so did friends and family of both Laura and Tyler. Everybody thought this would be the first day of the trial, but where was the defendant? Where was Tyler? When word finally got out that there was going to be no trial, no questions answered, nothing because there was no more Tyler, the Montgomery County Sheriff's Attorney released a statement that same morning that read, We were robbed this morning of the opportunity to allow the public to know the true nature and details of this crime. There should be no question in anyone's mind in this country that this was Laura's killer. I think today was where it was all going to crash down on him. He knew the discovery, he knew the evidence, and he knew today was the reckoning. I think he took the coward's way out. He had psychotic behavior that he carried on as he maintained a dual relationship with two women, one for 10 years and one for seven years. To Tyler, lying was like breathing. And the assistant state's attorney followed up with a statement that read, it was planned, it was deliberate, and it was premeditated. And the state has absolutely no doubt that this defendant would have been found guilty of first degree murder. Laura's mother also released a statement to the Baltimore Sun that said, As awful as today is, I feel at peace because I was worried for my family and I was worried for my other two grandsons to have such a diabolical human, if you can call him that, in the world. After Tyler committed suicide within a t just a 10-minute window of time, the detention center decided to remove or ban bed sheets from jail cells. And instead, each in inmate, you now get extra blankets. I mean, I don't see how this helps, but they get those thick blankets to warm themselves with. Laura's parents had had they had wanted Tyler to face two murder charges instead of just the one. Um, but even though Laura was only four months pregnant, they had planned to name she had planned to name her baby Reed or since the, if the fetus would have survived. But since it would not have survived, um, if it was born on his own, Maryland state law wouldn't allow Tyler to be charged for the baby's death. So this made Laura's family even more enraged and they vowed that they made it their mission to change the law on this. I mean, why should it matter how old the baby was if it was murdered, especially if the mother intended to keep it? Laura's father told the press, a monster with one bullet killed two generations of our family. Laura's parents advocated that the laws should have it shouldn't have an age limit, and they tried to get the the Laura and Reed law enacted. In 2019, Laura's parents did just that, and Governor Hogan signed into law the Laura and Reed's law. The law was approved and passed by the General Assembly, and carries a maximum penalty of 10 years in prison for killing a pregnant woman, no matter the age of the fetus. Now, sheesh, this was notorious in Maryland because he was a coward to the freaking core. I mean, seriously, ugh. I mean, 
the other woman really thought that she won, but did you really? What exactly did you win? I mean, shout out to the parents for the press conference because I know that was very hard to do, especially when they knew that he was responsible for not only her disappearance, but her death. And they had to sit there and pretend like everything was all right and go along with his lies. I mean, oh my God, I, I just don't know how I could have done that, which I know that was hard for them. And also, you know, shout out to them for getting the law changed. It really shouldn't matter um, what the age of the fetus was. If you kill a pregnant woman and she was planning on keeping her baby, that should be a double damn homicide. Um, they, And plus, not even that, Google what he looks like. They fighting over this? I, I, I gotta say that, but I'm sorry. He just, he just, he had no job, no real place. I mean, just a, a bullshit. I mean, I don't know. He lied for over 10 years, played them both like Lotto. It, it just, he was just one of those trifling types of dudes. I mean, he couldn't even lie or even plan the murder straight. I mean, he was impulsive, psychotic, just like he said. He was a freaking narcissist who killed his own kid. I mean, she thought he was going to propose to her and he ended up putting a bullet in her head. He saved taxpayers money, to tell you the truth. When, when I heard about this case, I was just like, wow, he going to kill himself. I knew it. I knew he was, he was going to take the bitch way out. I just knew it. I mean, he saved taxpayers money on this one. And I bet you he went straight to hell on this one, too. This episode's unsolved homicide is the shooting and burning murder of 33-year-old Alicia Nicole Strickland and her boyfriend, 34-year-old Taewon Tay Tuck. Northwest Baltimore City in the Mondaman Mall area around 5 in the morning on Friday, February 22, 2013, in the 2000 block of North Monroe Street, a vehicle that was parked on the street just started smoking and making popping noises. A witness later told police that she heard a boom, looked out of her window, and saw smoke coming out of the car. She saw just the passenger side door open which looked strange to her. 911 was called, and when fire personnel arrived on the scene, they quickly discovered that this wasn't just a car fire. Inside the vehicle were the bodies of 33-year-old Alicia Nicole Strickland and her boyfriend, 34-year-old Taewon Tay Tuck. Originally from Roanoke, Virginia, and known to her family as Nicole, Alicia was the daughter of a well-respected retired Roanoke County Circuit Court judge and her father was a partner in a high-powered law firm in Roanoke, Virginia that specialized in the areas of product liability, personal injury, and criminal defense. Her father gained notoriety when he helped defend Larry Flint, the CEO of Hustler Magazine, in 1980 when a pastor accused the magazine of libel. She had received her undergraduate degree in religious studies and she had been enrolled at Morgan State University getting her master's in an architecture program. Alicia had lived in the 600 block of Dover Street in the Ridgely Delights area, described by her friends and family as beautiful, fun, compassionate, independent, and generous. Alicia showed pure talent in art and creative writing. Reportedly, she loved dogs and she loved people. Alicia's mother released a statement to the press that read, It is with deep regret and sadness 
that we confirmed that our beautiful daughter was murdered in Baltimore this past weekend. No further details are available at this time. We greatly appreciate your thoughts and prayers. Please allow us time to privately, privately process our grief as a family. Taewon had lived in a 2000 block of North Bentlow Street, not too far from the crime scene. Friends and family described him as fun, caring, and loving. Both had clean records other than minor traffic violations, and Alicia had a minor drug charge that had never been prosecuted and had been taken off a record. Both had been shot in the head, execution style. Then the car was set on fire. The police? Absolutely nothing. Nada, no clues, no motive, no evidence. Come on, people. This sounds like a professional hit, but I know somebody knows something about this double homicide. If you do, please call Homicide Detectives at 410-396-2100. You can also call them at 1-866-7-LOCKUP. You can send a text message to 443-902-4824. Or you can even email them at homicidetips, www.homicidetips at baltimorepolice.org. You can remain anonymous, people. Thank you for tuning in this week. Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast for updates on future spine-tingling, hair-raising, newsworthy, high-profile episodes. Also, for paid subscribers, be sure to check out the real, unedited, raw truth of how and why I got linked up with True Crime. A lot of people think I just woke up one day and decided to do this, but this was no overnight journey. This was no overnight journey. Be sure to check this out, that podcast out, that episode out also. Also, be sure to pay a visit to the new website, www.mdsmostnotoriousmurders.com. That's Merlin's abbreviated, which is www.mdsmostnotoriousmurders, with an S, dot com, to get access to all the episodes for all four seasons, as well as links to all of the books that are based off of this podcast entitled Maryland's Most Notorious Murders from 1990-2008, Maryland's Unsolved Homicides, Volume 1, Until I Get Caught, The True Story of a Serial Rapist in Baltimore, as well as my local bestsellers, Child of Baltimore and Junkie, A True Baltimore Story, and the upcoming Maryland's Most Notorious Murders, 2009-2020. Be sure to tune in next week where another high-profile, newsworthy homicide in Maryland will be discussed, examined, and profiled on Maryland's most notorious murders. This has been a real-life production.